Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Tomorrow will be four weeks since the commission failed in the Senate. Uh, I asked, leading up to today, is there a chance for it to pass? We gave it so much time. Not soon. Not likely. Maybe someday. In the meantime, um, I'm hopeful that that could still happen at some point. However, this morning... With great solemnity and sadness, uh, I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a select committee on the January 6th insurrection. Old Smokey downtown says he was shocked when he received a call from the White House asking to use his venue to host the First Lady. News 2's Chelsea Vimefor was at the distillery today, which turned into a pop-up vaccination clinic. There is no I in beer. Beer, country music, and COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, the Secret Service appeared last week, and then we got a call from the White House to, to see if we'd be willing to, to volunteer our space. And like a, a good Tennessee citizen, we're volunteers. And Today, the Old Smoky Distillery in downtown Nashville hosted a pop-up vaccine clinic sponsored by the Made to Save campaign, Kroger, and the White House. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden attended the event, encouraging all Tennesseans to get their shots. Your health and your family's health matter to me and matter to your president. Only three in ten Tennesseans are vaccinated. Now, you know, this state still has mm, a little bit of way to go. <laughs> Only three in ten Tennesseans are vaccinated. And, well, you're booing yourselves. <laughs> Will you travel to Florida, sir? Can we ask you about Florida, what you've learned? Oh, yes, I apologize. Yes, thank you, my president. Guess what? Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? They're going to have to compete. relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? For people. There's a reason why it's been harder to get African-Americans initially to get vaccinated. Because they used to be an experimented on. 
the Tuskegee Airmen and others. People have memories. People have long memories. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. So look, from day one, something that Governor Cooper has been totally focused on is making sure we get as many people vaccinated, particularly people who don't have access to health care usually, who don't have ordinary. I agree with Brother Tim in speaking about, you know, the maggots. I'm sorry, the MAGA, um, that is so corrosive in this, you know, political uh, moment. And can I tell you, Nicole, uh, that as a black person, as a black intellectual, as a black person with a PhD from Princeton University, um, who's taught at several Ivy League schools, isn't it interesting? Before black and brown and minoritized and racialized groups could get in, before women could get in, those were the gold standards. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Vanderbilt, uh, University of North Carolina, and on and on. And when we get in, all of a sudden, uh, it becomes the bete noir. It becomes a benchmark of your being a sellout. So you tell us we're too dumb to get in. And then when we get in, you tell us we're too much of an egghead to identify with the common people. I'm confused. Which one is it? Um, when <laughs> Richard Hobson had talked about intellectualism in America, he was talking about the fact that they chose Eisenhower um, over, you know, a more well-heeled uh, and thoughtful Democrat who was thinking seriously about this nation, and yet they called him an egghead, a pointed head intellectual. Now, I'm critical of certain distancing uh, rhetorics that intellectuals can carry out. I'm certainly critical of the obscurantist language that we can sometimes use. Jesse Jackson once told me, if you say something I can't understand, that's a failure of your education, not mine. So I get that. But mm. I resent as an intellectual and as a black person in America that we have taken the brunt of anti-intellectualism. We have borne the brunt of being disloyal to this nation. And we have stood by to see mediocre, mealy-mouthed, uh, snowflake white men who are incapable of taking critique, who are willing to dole out infamous repudiations of the humanity of the other, and yet they call us snowflakes and they are the biggest flakes of snow to hit the earth. They are incapable of criticism. They are incapable of tolerating difference. They're scared of, oh my God, critical race theory is gonna kill your mother. And they don't even know, they're not critical. They have no race and they don't understand theory. And yet they are allowed to wax eloquently about the means and limits of rationality in this country. And they couldn't save themselves if the world depended on it. And I am tired of hearing mediocre white men uh, take to their pulpits to excoriate women and trans people and bisexuals and black folk and and welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 25th of June, year of our Lord, 2021. Orange Man was so bad. Uh, I'm so glad we got rid of him. And she was booed. Yeah, I'm not going to cover it in depth. She, I don't think she was booed. I think she was booing. They were booing uh, the low thing because that was an invite-only event for President uh, Biden. Uh, the real president. 
uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. And then we end on uh, Dyson. And I think it's a good way to start the show, and that's why I played it up front. The racism that you can feel off that man uh, is a good setup for this. Because I saw this, and almost every conservative show covered it, and I know it's it's repetitive. If, if you watch, uh, like my wife, wife watches The Five, and then I watch Tucker. And then I tape Gutfeld and watch it in the morning uh, with my coffee. And they all repeat. Everything repeats. And this will be on every conservative show. But hear me out because I'm a vet. 20 years of my life was in the institution that I loved. That I forsake my family for. That I destroyed my body for. I love the military. And this coming out of the military, just opposed with Dr. Bison, Dyson, um, while this is painful. Um, First of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, But I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service and you and I are both Green Berets, but I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. It's hard to articulate because this is all politics. I mean, you see Biden, Latinx, and syphilis, and the, the media was so happy with this. Is BLM writing Black Rage? This guy should be relieved of his duty. Call me crazy, but it's more a little unnerving listening to our top military commanders discuss domestic objectives. That's not why we have a military. Considering our next section is HR1 and guns where the President of the United States said that he is going to nuke us all. Nuke us. 
He's going to nuke us. Let me work out the new... Oh, this is so sexy. This is the best $20 or $25 I've ever spent. This is so fucking sexy. I'm just telling you. Look at this thing. It, it's it's unbelievable. I know I'm out of character right now because I should be talking about... But this was off. So let me raise it. I didn't think I had it. thought I had it right. There we go. Look at that baby. Thoro Max, I love you. This is political. This is completely political. This has nothing to do with the military. This is not education. This is a political objective of the left. It has nothing to do with the military. I spent 20 years in the military. In the infantry, 70% of the infantry is white. The rest is minority. Yet most of my SAR majors and first SARNs were African Americans. Most of my platoon SARNs were of a minority creed. Latino, black, Samoan. I was in the 5-0 deuce. It was a whole pack of them. They even called themselves. They had a name for the Samoan group. And I don't remember what it was. SAR majors, senior NCOs. There is no white rage in the military. It's green rage. And if you've listened to this show, going back to its exception, we had to root out the nigga with the A because white kids were saying it and eventually a black kid get pissed off and there'd be a fight. I was called more racial terms. I had to look them up. When I went to the riots in L.A., it was cracker. I lived in South Carolina as a drill sergeant. There were two white guys per company. They had to spread us out. They moved people because it was all African-American because they wanted to go back to their home. So they asked to go. And while I was there, I lived in a quad where a guy tried to get us kicked out because he didn't like white people. The Post knew it, but you couldn't do anything about it because you can't do anything to African-Americans because that by, by definition, racism can't be done by black people. That's how we wrote it. White people wrote it in the EOC because they don't have power. And he tried to get us kicked out. And I was this close to being a racist. Because every time I turned around, I had some black person calling me names, treating me like shit, because I was the minority. The Confederate flag was still on the Capitol. It was a huge thing. But then I went back to what I was taught, reared on. It's not a whole group of people. It's just a person. Assholes. Or what you're prejudiced against. And they come in every color. Sexual orientation. So this is bullshit. He's no longer a soldier. He hasn't been a soldier since he's three star. It's a political billet. And for him to say this. And then play the you're dismeaning us. And the sergeant. 
No, the sergeant doesn't want to do this. The sergeant wants to work on his metal task, which is to defend the nation and beat the next adversary. And you don't beat the next adversary with woke. Politico, top general, fires back at offensive criticism of the military. Task and purpose, super liberal, document on the show. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs is tired of ignorant bullshit from people who don't like to read. WAPO, if I can get the fucking video. Military's top officer schools congressmen on critical race theory, white rage, and communism. And that's actually, no, that, that's from Army, the Military Times. SecDef wants you to know that supporting Donald Trump isn't extremism. Look at Rolling Stones. Powerful. All the media love this. They thought this was the greatest thing ever. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. How about this? How about this? Why isn't this his priority? That's what I ask. Look at these numbers. We talk about sexual harassment and white rage. What the fuck is white rage? 30,177 soldiers committed suicide. 7,057 died. A couple podcasts ago, I read it. I read it wrong and I didn't go and correct it. I got a book now. Then I'm starting to do corrections. <laughs> that was all the casualties. 30,000 suicides. That's not the priority, though. It's not the priority of VA. And it's clearly not the priority of the left because they're still talking about the phantom transgender suicides off a survey by GLAD. And specifically, his white rage. What the fuck is this? I'm going to play a montage of what we went through in the summer. And today, just yesterday. And then I'm going to play something from the Washington Post. It's five minutes long. This isn't a thing. That's why they won't define it. It's a political movement. Racism, racialization, white body supremacy is not episodic, it's structural. Remember that there were um, thousands of George Floyd before the one that you saw. Your bodily response to this, this horror, right, is not the same thing as you dealing with the structural aspects of this. George Floyd's death became a deeply personal and racial tragedy for many Americans. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. White people in particular get aroused, get upset, say this is unjust, this isn't right, this shouldn't happen. There's like an awakening that happens. And so part of their racial identity development is seeing that awakening, what they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal. 
I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. Part of the structure of racism in the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism is a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. A living embodied anti-racist culture does not exist among white people. White people got to start getting together specifically around race. White accountability groups are really helpful in terms of having a place to process, having a group of people whose responsibility it is to call me on things or to challenge me. We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class, I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganize everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. When you do that for one, two, three, four, five years, right? You end up with actually a community that is aligned with each other. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. <laughs> and so if I'm relying on other white people to teach me about racism, that can only go so far. I only best understand racism by talking to people who are directly impacted by racism from different perspectives. So in addition to having white accountability groups and white accountability buddies, it's also really important to have sustained and meaningful relationships with people of color. I don't have the ability to like inherently name things as upholding white supremacy or as being racist. My whiteness is going to show up at different points in my life and at different points in different relationships. But is it fair or healthy to be seeking out relationships with people just to have a diverse network? Because I feel like for people of color, you're kind of constantly trying to gauge whether or not it's worth it to be vulnerable or share how someone hurt you when your white colleagues or co coworkers or friends mess up. There's a different cost for my friends of color to be in relationship with me. So I think one of the things that's really important is ongoing being a friend on an ongoing basis for lots of different things, not just like thinking about racism as a part of our friendship when there's something horrible that happens. Those relationships are number one for me to um, be there for them as them for me. It's a, it's a relationship and so it should be reciprocal, but also so that I have a broader understanding of the world. Everything I thought about how I existed.
For over a month, police have responded to criminal activity in downtown Portland and in other Portland neighborhoods that has caused millions of dollars in damage and has threatened human life and safety. At times, certain people in crowds have directed violence toward police and other public employees by throwing projectiles such as rocks, bricks, bottles, frozen water bottles, and full aluminum beverage cans. People have used wrist rockets to fire ball bearings, marbles, rocks, pieces of metal, and other dangerous objects at high velocity at police. People have launched explosive fireworks directly at police and have pointed lasers into the eyes of officers and people operating motor vehicles, placing them at risk. People have launched explosive fireworks at occupied buildings, placing people at risk. Officers have been injured and required medical treatment. Damage to private and public property includes block after block of broken windows, graffiti, and fire damage. People have committed arson on occupied buildings. Look at how many of them! Look at how many of them! Look how many of them! They're trying to hide it! Look like I don't know. Idiot. I don't care. Fucking idiot. Yep. Yep. Fuck you. Yep. Fuck you too. I'm on no. I'm on no side. You're on no side. I'm just here. We got a no side filming everybody right here. Yep. Streaming on Twitch. Maybe get some umbrellas around this piece of shit. Don't fucking hit him. Don't fucking hit him! Oh, here come the umbrellas. Come, here come the umbrellas. They don't like they don't like live streaming, guys, I guess. Yeah, no, we fucking don't like live streaming, you fucking piece of shit. Don't fucking hit him! Just cover him up! 
Clearly hitting several people that had gathered here, and so police officers started to chase the person they believe let that firecracker go off, and that has now caused a, a much bigger scene with protesters and people who are agitated and frustrated. So this very peaceful demonstration now has kind of quickly turned um, in, into a little bit of a frustrated situation. High emotions here right now. You can see over here in front of Black Street, right in front of the police department, there are officers lined up in riot gear. But, you know, for the majority of the evening, this has been a very peaceful demonstration. People who believe that there was excessive force. That's racist as fuck. This is racist as fuck. And then you see Portland. You see a compilation of Portland that they the police made it. You see burning in Minneapolis. You see another Portland. You see freaking Rock Hill, South Carolina. Is that black rage? Do we need to worry about black rage? This is all happening while they're talking about we need to deconstruct whiteness. And the President of the United States constantly talking about whiteness and how we have a problem with racist white people. And I, I submit, once again, 30 fucking thousand suicides. Pentagon extremist definition. We'll have to find a line between free speech and unit cohesion. We know what it is. We know what it is. It's political. If you truly think generals aren't political, I hand you Petraeus. Met the man. He wasn't a soldier. He was a fucking politician. Sexual harassment on posts. Out of control. But no, white rightness. White, white rightness. White racist. That's what we need. That's what we need. Okay. I'm going for hours. But I won't. That's horse shit. It doesn't belong in the military. It's a political objective. It's bullshit. It's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. But what 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 do we think is going to happen? Of course, it's going to be this way. This is this is now our. This is the new normal. The new normal is when they have bad polls, they cook up some racism and do stupid shit. So let's go to the border because Kamala Harris finally did. And, of course, we Republican pound. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Uh, so about today's announcement, why is the vice president visiting the border this week? when earlier this month she dismissed a trip like that, saying it would be a grand gesture. She also said um, in an interview with NBC that she would be open to going to the border if it was an appropriate time. She said that after she said that. So that's important context as okay. well. And important context, I've got the NBC interview right here. Uh, she was talking about how uh, she hasn't been to the border, she hasn't been to Europe either. So does she think that these two things are the same? Uh, and again, uh, Peter, I think she also said in the same interview that she would be open to going to the border at an appropriate... 
And Vice President Kamala Harris will visit the border near El Paso on Friday, we've learned. Her first visit since President Biden tapped her in March to tackle the root causes of migration from Central America. She's visited Guatemala and Mexico and will now visit the U.S. border. I don't know what she's going to see there. And you, you point a pretty, uh, paint a pretty uh, vivid picture for perhaps uh, a trip that may not show her much. W- why do you think this administration has waited so long for this? Uh, I have no idea, but I'm sure her planners told her that if you're going to go down to the border, uh, go to a uh, something that's uh, safer to go to that is politically safer. Uh, if you go down to the lower Rio Grande with a high activity and you're there with kids and families, prosecutorial discretion where people are being released, high numbers of people crossing the border, uh, you know, politically, that's it's harder to do that. I know that. I mean, that's part of my district. But you got to do what you got to do. You- that's a damn that last soundbite's a damn. That that's not a Republican. It's not an evil xenophobe. But they saw the polls. They saw it. Harris will head to U.S. Mexico border on Friday. Her upcoming trip to El Paso, Texas, comes amid criticism from Republicans. Really, Dana Loesch and Julio Rosa. And, of course, a criticism for Democrats along the border. Don't forget them. It's not just Republicans who have criticized Harris for not visiting the southern border. Democrats who live or near the border are, too. But, yeah, we're not going to cover that. And then now we find out it's catch and release. They're still doing the same thing. Nothing's changed. It's all horse shit. It's all fucking horse shit. Horse shit, horse shit, horse shit. And they get away with it because we have a fucking feckless media who doesn't give a shit. Who just doesn't care. Wash, uh, USA Today, uh, Camilla Harris to visit the border. The claim, Vice President Harris laughed about migration struggles, U.S.-Mexico border. False. No, she did laugh. She laughed. She thought it was okie dokie. That's Democrats cellular cellular. I can't say his name. He's there. Damn rep Mondaire Jones account a bizarre moment between him and Joe Biden raises concern when Mondaire Mondaire Jones. Where's my freaking glasses? Get these glasses on. Tony can't read this morning. Was at the White House last week. He told Biden. Uh, their party needed him more involved in passing voting legislation on the Hill. Biden just sort of stared at him, Jones said, describing an awkward silence that passed between the two. Because he's not in charge of shit. He's out to lunch. He's not here. He's just not here. WAPO, in response, Biden just sort of stared at me. But it's, it's okay. It's okay. Because we don't have a media. They're not going to hold him accountable. Look at this. Fact-based, neutral network. Really? Do you truly believe that? If we had a neutral network or um, news media, they would be saying, why is a military leader saying we need to learn woke? Then you have CNN. 150 million Americans fully vaccinated, 70% of everyone over 30 with one shot, and more to come by July 4th. 
Carrie Cordero. This month I've had coffee downtown with colleagues, returned to CNN studio, took my family to ball game, and had a meeting scheduled at a federal agency. A level of normalcy, inconceivable a year ago, a direct result of policies, competence, and leadership. Thank you. The world. Yeah, thank, thank you, Trump. How about that? Can we do that? He's the one that did it, but no, we're, we're no, 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 not doing it. New York Times, Maggie Haberman, can't quit Trump, largely ignores Biden. Did I get the writing on this? Yeah, there we go. Let's bring this shit in. This is, this is good shit. This is good shit. This is, this is why we are the way we are. That they're not held accountable, so it doesn't matter. Haberman is also CNN political analyst, has written or contributed more than 100 stories since the day Biden took office, and only eight were chiefly about Biden, according to a review of her online profile. The small number of Biden-related stories, including pieces about the president's reaction or lack thereof to embattled New York Governor Cuomo, at least 70 stories Haberman and since Biden took office have been about Trump, not including other pieces about key figures from this world, such as former Vice President Pence, Giuliani, dozens of them concerned Trump's second impeachment trial shortly after he left office. Megan Haberman is one of the finest journalists in her generation, says executive editor Dean Beckett. Megan Haberman is one of the finest journalists of her generation, said Dean Beckett. will continue to be one of our lead reporters on major political news in the coming year. We're so proud she works for the New York Times. Reminds me of the Simpsons episode where an inanimate carbon rod won an award. She's not a reporter. She's never been a reporter. Then you get to the other idiots. Joy Reid, look at her ratings. Far-left host who frequently dabbles in conspiracy theories and racially charged language like Uncle Clarence has her worst week ever in 7 p.m. slot. Show has the worst week ever. Her show ratings have been hacked. The FBI has been notified. It's hard to put into words how completely the audience for both MSDNC and CNN have collapsed. Chris Hayes is on the verge of having fewer than 100,000 people watching under 55. Humiliating numbers for YouTuber. Same with Joy Reid and Lawrence. Hey, that hurts my feelings because I, I don't have that many people listening to my show. Even I feel pity looking in the numbers for MSNBC weekend hosts. They have between 25,000 and 60 people watching under 55. That is troubling. People forget that in 2015 it was foregone conclusion that MSNBC President Phil Griffin was a moment away from firing Chris Hayes and several other hosts because nobody was watching. Trump saved them all. If Chris were being fair and sufficiently grateful, he would build a statue of Trump in front of all the homes he now owns as a tribute to his person who enabled him to find such an extraordinary riches. And it's true, because they don't cover it. That's why I put it here. They don't cover it. We're talking about white rage, but motherfucking Sunrise Movement showed up on the door of Cruz's house and protested him. This is happening all the time. Media doesn't report that they're getting harassed because the media thinks they should get harassed. They're, they're horrible people. They're just horrible people that don't deserve, don't deserve. Eight people total arrested. Protesters have left and their march for New Orleans is over. Polls. Majority of Democrats 
are still wearing masks. That should probably be a topic. Four in ten of Democrats are still wearing masks because you talked about orange man bad. I'm not going to put that in my body so much. They won't wear or to stop wearing masks. Despite the new guidance, nearly 4 in 10, 38% of Americans said they're still wearing a mask about as often as they did before, including 41% of those who have been vaccinated. There are some partisan differences between this group with vaccinated Democrats, 51% being more likely than Republicans to wear a mask. Yeah, good job. Good job, guys. And then we get into why Nancy Pelosi wants to do it. This is so embarrassing. The feds have paid an informant. He lied. We already covered that. So now we're doing the first one. Anna Morgan Lloyd, a 49-year-old hair salon owner who participated in January 6th insurrection, is the first person to be sentenced in the attack. She was sentenced to three years of probation for involvement in the riot. Next up, an Indiana grandmother of five. These are the white supremacists we're talking about. The the hateful QAnon people. Anna Morgan Lloyd became the first person sentenced in the Capitol riot. She pleaded to one count of parading in a Capitol building and received three years of probation and a $500 fine. That's the insurrection. This is what we're talking about. This is why we need we need to take away your guns, uh, the democracy, even though the president just said, as we'll see, you can nuke motherfuckers, but yeah, yeah, it's these people, the white rage. How is that the Capitol Police were unable to protect the building from your grandma? Anybody? Insurrection. It's an insurrection. Okay. I didn't get the rest of these. I'm just going to leave it on this. Because this is, this is what I, I, I am going to fucking save this forever. Because this is our country in a nutshell. This is important to the military. The rest of this isn't. Another article. Now jumping on a plea, sentence hearing for Indiana grandmother charged with four counts after ending capital of five minutes. She has been deprogrammed. The remedial social studies program that Morgan Lloyd is following was created by her D.C.-based lawyer, H. Heather Shiner. Defense attorneys in the nation's capital are exactly a core part of Trump's political base, as many have been clear in the court filings in which they blame Trump for leading their clients to the edge by convincing them that the 2020 election was stolen. Some private D.C. defense lawyers told HuffPo after January 6th that they were refusing to take capital cases outright. Court-appointed lawyer for Ann Moore Lloyd instructed her to read books and watch movies explaining America's badness. Lloyd has since apologized for her white privilege. Mhm. Yeah, this is this is what it's about. Cuz they're such bad people. They're bad people. And if you don't think they're bad people, you're a bad person because this isn't about an insurrection. This is about reeducation. Now, it turns out January 6th defendants, they're not only being asked to admit their guilt, but their white privilege as well. Anna Morgan Lloyd, the first to be sentenced in connection with January 6th, wrote to the judge ahead of her sentencing. 
My lawyer has given me names of books and movies to help me see what life is like for others in our country. I've learned that even though we live in a wonderful country, things still need to improve. People of all colors should feel as safe as I do to walk down the street. Uh, you heard that right. <laughs> Miss Morgan Lloyd was forced to deliver that Soviet-style confession at the behest of her attorney, a DC public defender named Heather Shainer. She's also representing several other January 6th defendants who she's also attempting to indoctrinate. Now, this disturbing effort was uncovered by my next guest. Joining me now is Julie Kelly, American Greatness senior contributor. Julie, now, is this just her defense attorney trying to help her get a lighter sentence, or is there something else going on here? Um, well, the problem, Laura, is that so many of these defendants cannot uh, pay for their own attorneys, so they're at the mercy of the court in either public defenders or court-appointed attorneys, which Mrs. Sh Mrs. Shainer is. And so, no, this is the going along with the presumption that anyone involved in the January 6th protest uh, is a white supremacist, is a racist, is an anti-Semite. There's nothing really wrong with the list that the attorney gave to Ms. Uh, Lloyd, but it's not anything that uh, the court should order or should accept. What's funny is I listened to the court hearing yesterday when she offered her uh, plea and she got very choked up in court. She's never been charged with any sort of crime. She's a 49-year-old grandmother from uh, Southern Indiana and she got choked up and the DOJ kind of pushed back and said, look, we don't really accept this sort of approach. The deal, we do not prosecute people based on their beliefs. Well, of course they do. That's exactly what this January 6th investigation for the most part is about. And it starts not there, but the media. I am a Republican, the media jerk off of the week. Places closed, we lost our right to vote. This future doesn't have to be. You have the power to change it. Save democracy while you can. Call your senator now. So this morning, it seems clear that Senate Republicans are afraid to even discuss voting rights. Overnight, all 50 refused to debate a voting bill. And that's despite the fact that moderate Democrat Joe Manchin gave Republicans what they demanded on key issues like voter ID. Minority leader Mitch McConnell insisted it's up to individual states to sort it all out. He claims there's just nothing to discuss. All right, this is what Vice President Kamala Harris had to say about the failure of the voting rights bill. Listen. The bottom line is that the president and I are very clear. We support S-1. We support the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And the fight is not over. 
It's not over, she says. They don't think anything is broken at this point. And a lot of Republicans I talked to said there is no piece of the bill that they would have voted on if they had gotten into the debate yesterday that they would have supported. So breaking this bill apart, trying smaller pieces of it, that's not really an option at this point. Expect Democrats to keep up the heat, though, because this is going to be a key issue for them going into the 2022 midterm elections. John? I mean, of course Mitch McConnell likes the status quo because the status quo is Republican-led states rigging the system so Republicans can do better at this point. So let's bring in our CNN chief legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin. How do you put this into perspective. Well, you know, I, I, what I think is interesting is there are two big issues before Congress right now. There's infrastructure and there's voting rights. And infrastructure is sort of the classic, classic stuff of politics. You know, how much do you spend on roads and bridges? How do you pay for it? And that should be the stuff of compromise. The voting rights is very different. This is life or death for the democracy. This is about whether the people are going to control their government or the government is going to decide how the democracy um, works or doesn't work. And I, I just think one of them is an existential crisis for the United States, and the other seems like it's... So, how about now? How about now, Democrats? Are you ready to play to win now? Have you had enough? McConnell and co. did exactly what we knew and you knew they would do. Well, a Democratic plan to greatly expand voting rights in the U.S. failed tonight in the U.S. Senate. Democrats didn't come close to the 60 votes they needed to advance debate. CBS's Nicole Killian reports tonight from the Capitol. The Democrat-backed voting rights bill, dubbed the For the People Act, was opposed by Senate Republicans from the start. I think you could appropriately titled it the Fool the People Act. And evenly divided the Vice, Vice President, President Kamala Harris, the president's point person on voting rights, presided over the chamber as, well as the GOP blocked debate on the bill. What this is really about is an effort for the federal government to take over the way we conduct elections. The bill would expand automatic voter registration and early voting and partisan gerrymandering and make Election Day a national holiday. But Senate Democrats were unable to secure the 60 votes required to overcome a Republican filibuster. This is all about one thing. Some people don't want some people to vote. The push for a federal voting rights law comes as 48 states are considering nearly 400 Republican-backed bills that would restrict voting. Give us your reaction to what we've just heard and this breaking news from Senator Schumer. Well, I, I think Senator Schumer was accurate in everything he said, and he called out the Republican Party uh, for what it is. Uh, Democrats, 50 Democrats represent 43 million more people than the 50 Republicans do. And this is a holdover. Um, from really the time of, of enslavement. Um, many of these senators represent places that don't have the same population, while the majority of people support this legislation. So this is not a democracy. This is a minority um, that is controlling this. And, you know, um, at the risk of making a controversial metaphor, I mean, we, we, we know what minority rule is. And there's a term for minority rule, and that's called Apartheid. We fought against that as well. The, the, this is history made tonight, Ari, on your show. It, a, 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 a minority of Americans representing a minority of Americans uh, is doing all it can to prevent democracy and for the majority of people in this country voting. And we've got to do something about that. That's why we're in these streets. Now, rather than looking at that outcome and thinking, well, wow, 
we can be a competitive party even in high turnout elections, which would have been a totally rational conclusion. Republicans said, no, oh God, never again. We want fewer people to vote. We need to do everything we can to manipulate the very mechanisms of American democracy to give ourselves a competitive advantage or it's over for us. But of course, Republicans view that, you know, expanding voter access in the aggregate, right, as a purely partisan exercise. And think of this, that is because in their heart of hearts, in their deepest souls, they do not trust their own message enough to appeal to a majority of them. And about what is the filibuster? We're going to enter into that debate, and we're also going to enter into what is American democracy and who should have access to it. This is fundamentally going to be a debate cast in the in talking to activists and talking to White House officials. This is going to be a debate about what whether or not we want America to be the place that the founders, um, flawed as they may have been, the founders wanted it to be, which is a place where people could vote and people could have access to who were the elected officials. Um, when I talk to uh, the activists and civil rights leaders, they tell me that not only, of course, are they going to continue to put pressure on lawmakers to, to put in um, bills and to try to push back on this filibuster issue and to try to get the For the People Act passed. I've been talking to officials who say two other things really need to happen. The first is that the DOJ needs to start taking action to try to figure out whether or not there are ways to stop these state legislatures and these states from trying to take away voting access from Americans. The second thing they tell me um, is that they want to mm -hmm. see now President Biden accelerate um, nominating judges because they see that as the first line of defense against a lot of these laws. So we're entering a phase now that, of course, is going to be about this procedural rule. President Biden has called it at one point a relic of Jim Crow. Um, but we're also going to really enter into, into this post one six world where we really have to ask ourselves whether or not democracy will be protected. And I think whether or not democracy still polls high enough to... If I can follow up on, on voting rights here. Um, yesterday you said that there's more work to be done. Uh, mm -hmm. Among that is including engaging state legislatures. But the problems, as Democrats at least see it, is not problems in blue state state legislatures. It's Republican-controlled states where many of these decisions are already being made. So what leverage do you actually have and what realistically do you think you can accomplish in some of these, these red states? Would that be white rage as the majority of them are white? I mean, God damn, we go back to that stupid fucking video. We have CNN, we have Cuomo. Are you done? Are you, do you want to win? <laughs> he says he's neutral. <laughs> really? You got White House, a racist, up there talking. They don't even remark on that because it's voter suppression. Asking for an ID is racist. Don't you know that? And then all the restrictive, all that's a lie. None of these make it harder to vote. All it said is, you got away with it with COVID, but you can't have people voting a week after an election. You can't have fucking drop boxes all over the place. And you got to verify shit. And they know this. They're just not going to say it. The narrative's going to continue on. Major shift in perspective. Voter ID has proved popular despite Democratic ar arguments of the amount of voter suppression. And some activists have concluded that they do less to suppress the vote than they initially feared. Polling came in. Yep. From Jim Crow to fucking woke in four months. Three 
fourths of voters reject a HR1 provision. Numerous provisions. Three fourths. Because they found out what it was. That's the difference. 78% of U.S. voters say asking voters to present a photo as proof of identity is the appropriate method of ensuring election integrity. More than four times the 117.2 say it's unreasonable. Another 4.8 say they don't know. By party, 89.4 and 79.4 of independents. 66% of Democrats by race, 73% of Latinx, because now that's what Biden's saying. African Americans, 72%. That's up from the last one we just did. Asians, 72%. But yeah, yeah, it's all, it, it's, it's all racist. Got it. Okay. Senate Republicans filibuster Democrat signature vote bill right. This bill has literally nothing to do with voting rights. That's what everybody says. It has nothing to do with voting rights. But they say it's for the people, Matt. AP, the bill failed. Votes as Republican denied Democrats. The 60 votes needed to begin to be denied. The bill would strike down hurdles in voting, curb the influence of money in politics, and limit partisan influence over the drawing of congressional districts. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. If you want to know why people on the right no longer trust major media organizations, look no further than this alleged description of H.R. 1, which might as well come straight from the Dem press releases. And that's that's the fact. that That's what they were saying. Yeah. It's over. It's good shit. I'm happy about it. This was fucking horrible for America. But not this. The filibuster democracy voting bill. A hit to democracy. Look at this shit. What the fucking fuck? But you never put out what was in the bill. You never once broke down. You never broke down anything. Anything that was in these bills. You just said it was trying to rebuff Republicans. Bashing Kristen Cinema, all sorts of articles. She's a piece of shit now, just a fucking piece of filth. God, man, these fucking people. Democrats and Senate this week will try to advance legislation setting new national election standards, seeking to counter voting rights rollbacks that Republican legislators pursuing across the country. Look at that shit. What the fucking fuck? Are you actually news? Are you actually news? I mean, look at this. This is a holdover from really the time of enslavement. Apartheid. You heard it. What the fucking fuck? If it was so good, why didn't you break down what was in it? Why didn't you say it was good for America? Why didn't you say what it would do? You never did it. You never did. I mean, totally off subject. But it's why people are still wearing masks, because seeing... Harry, Harry, we have a sense of how people are behaving once vaccinated by party breakdown, and it's interesting. It is, right? And so essentially what we see here, so have you in the last week among fully vaccinated... 
socially distanced. 51% of Democrats who are already fully vaccinated said, yes, they've socially distanced. Look at this. Just 31% of Republicans say the same thing. Always wore a mask outside of the House. Look, 48% of Democrats who are fully vaccinated say they have, but just 20% of Republicans say they have. So even among the fully vaccinated, what we're seeing is that partisan split with Democrats being much more cautious than Republicans are. In terms of activities that they are engaging in, what are we learning there? It's the same thing. It's the same story. So have you in the last week among the fully vaccinated gone out to eat? Just 54% of Democrats say that they've gone out to eat. 74% of Republicans made summer plans in the last week. Look at this. Just 34% of Democrats, 45% of Republicans. So even among those who are fully vaccinated, what we see is Democrats are playing it far more safely than Republicans. I guess Republicans would argue that Democrats are actually playing it a little bit too safe. But you, but you have information about the unvaccinated, and these numbers blow me away, Harry. Right. So, you know, look, if you're fully vaccinated, go out and enjoy your life. But if you're not fully vaccinated, you probably should be taking it far more cautiously. But look at here. Have you in the last week among the non-vaccinated now, look at this, socially distanced. 73% of Democrats have said, yes, they socially distance. That's a good thing if you're not fully vaccinated. But just 17% of Republicans say that they have and always wear a mask outside of your house. You'd hope that in a lot of circumstances you would. Most Democrats are 62%. But among Republicans, it's just 25% among non-vaccinated Republicans are always wearing a mask outside of their house. It's fat. Republicans who are unvaccinated, they're just not doing a thing. They're not doing a thing to help in terms of getting past this pandemic. They're putting themselves at great risk. If that was on Fox, they would literally say that was misinformation. You don't need to wear a mask. But, you know, when you don't have to talk about anything, you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to speak about anything. You get away with this. Alcindor. It's not what we want America to be, a place that the founders, flawed as they may have been, the founders wanted it to be. I don't think I played this one. I did. I played it. In in talking to activists and talking to White House officials, this is going to be a debate about what whether or not we want America to be the place that the founders, um, flawed as they may have been, the founders wanted it to be. What the fuck would she know about what the founders wanted? Why would you say that shit? Uh, This article, which I think is really fucking funny. Shameful propaganda. The Hill reported a rare setback for Biden. New White House announces expected failure to hit July 4th vaccine markers. A rare setback for Biden. I threw it in there because this is our media. This is where you get all this stuff. You get all this for the people crazy shit because we're, we're lying about DeSantis. In a controversial push against indoctrination of students, Governor Sanders signed legislation to require public universities and college survey students, faculty, and staff about their beliefs and viewpoints to support intellectual diversity. Then they crack on him. He's a piece of shit. Raw story. Florida goes full fascist. It all ties in. It's all interconnected. We have this fucking shit. Gee, many crickets on a popsicle stick. This was run this week. Timothy McVeigh. Because they're tying it in. If you don't get what you want, if we don't get what we want, well, uh, we're going to have extremism. We have to curve this shit back. We have to curb it back. 
Good fucking God, man. Good God. And then we have Stacey Abrams. I, I did a, a short one, this one. I'm not going to do it today and, and waste your time. It is all the lies that she has done just about voter ID. All of a sudden, we can go back and change what we said. What we said. All those words don't get held against us because we're Democrats. We get to evolve because we're more enlightened. We're smarter people. And nowhere is it more example of than fucking guns. Second, we discussed disrupting illegal gun trafficking. Now the gun lobby wants you to believe that cities that are the toughest gun, had the toughest gun laws still have the highest rates of gun violence, as was pointed out by the group we had today in our roundtable. The, the violence is so they argue, why do you need those gun laws if they don't work in cities that have tough laws? Don't believe it. Here's the truth. Today's conversation with Mayor Scott of Baltimore, for example, echoed what we know to be the case and hear from mayors all across the country. Mayors have the power to help shape and enforce the laws in their cities, but they can't control the laws in neighboring cities and states, even though the gun legally bought there is often ends up in their streets. Mayor Scott says that 80% of the guns in Baltimore were acquired outside the city. Outside the city. There's little he can do about that. So we have to act. As part of our strategy, the Justice Department is creating five new strike forces to crack down illegal gun trafficking in the Carters, supplying weapons to cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., and the Bay Area to own them. And I might add, the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit, the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. What do you think is the root of the cause of this spike in violence? I mean, we read through some of these cities don't know. From the administration's perspective, why is this happening? Well, look, a bunch of reasons, I believe. But one is the proliferation of guns on the streets of America. The fact that we have let the NRA govern this country for far too long. Somebody, some criminal who has been committing crimes with limited interruption or interference from police for the last couple weeks or months is going to stop this easy life of crime if they have a summer job. Well, I think the president believes that we shouldn't and we shouldn't allow access to guns to those criminals who are currently illegally buying them from some dealers across the country. And part of his announcement is taking steps to do exactly that. But part of his announcement is also ensuring there's specific guidance to uh, communities across the country to ensure that they have funding to get more community police around the country, something that was supported by the American Jobs Plan uh, that was supported that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. Some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. This growing gun violence epidemic now prompting dozens of mayors from America's cities to band together and demand more action from the Biden administration on guns. In a recent letter, they wrote, quote, we are clear eyed about the political challenges, but now more than ever, we need to continue this hard but necessary work. So many cities and towns are now dots on a map of mass shootings that could have been prevented if 
There were a federal web of uniform laws on background checks, eliminating access to guns for those who have demonstrated a history of mental illness or other disqualifying conditions. Joining me now, joining us now, the president of the United States Conference of Mayors, Dayton, Ohio's Democratic Mayor, Nan Wiley. She's also running to unseat Republican Governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, in 2022. Uh, Mayor, it's great to have you on again. Great to be on. Good morning. So I met you in 2019 after a horrific shooting in Dayton, Ohio, which came the day after a horrific shooting in El Paso, Texas. And following those two shootings, for a moment, as we've often seen before, there was a bipartisan expression of support for some gun control measures. In Ohio, the, the governor, Mike DeWine, talked about state laws, I think red flag laws. Mike Turner, uh, representative whose daughter was on the street or nearby, uh, a Republican said, hey, I, I got to come around on this. Th that moment disappeared. They changed their public positions. What happened? W w why does that always happen? I mean, are, are the politics so intractable here for Republicans that it just won't move? I, I think it's really uh, what's going on in our politics, even in, at the state level with Governor DeWine, is folks are too afraid of the extremists on the right and the gun lobby, frankly. You know, the night of the day after the shooting in Dayton, yeah. hundreds yeah. of people gathered to the street to holler, do something. Yeah. Governor DeWine yeah. promised to do something. But instead, uh, this January, he actually signed a stand your ground law that makes all communities and everyone less safe. Every study shows that. And it just shows how there is this grip of the gun lobby and gun makers and extremists in the par in the in the Republican Party that won't let them loose. I mean, I think there's a couple there's a couple things going on here. First of all, uh, the United States has a gun problem, as you so eloquently said. Um, we have too many guns on our streets, and so we need federal action uh, to get them off the streets because individual states and cities like New York cannot stop the flow of guns from coming into. New York City, for example, without federal action, just rational action to prevent bad actors from getting their hands done. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that we should just recognize that uh, people who study violence and crime will tell you right now that it is too soon to know and understand exactly why we are seeing the crime spike across the country that we are. But those who have worked on this issue for a very long time know that it's what they will tell you is that this is not surprising given the level of disruption, trauma, grief, joblessness, homelessness, uh, and just general upheaval that the United States has gone through, particularly communities of color and people living in poverty across the United States. So we do, I believe, need to make sure that police have the right resources to do the job well. That, that funding should come with accountability, it should come with reform, and it should also come, I believe, and I don't think that this is that different from what you're seeing from uh, many, many people are saying. Um, it should come with some discussion of funding for other things that can help reduce violence. So Stephanie, I think it's important to begin with the simple fact that all of us, and I do mean all of us, want safer communities. Everyone wants and deserves mm -hmm. to be able to walk out of their home, walk freely on the street, play with their child and ensure that everyone is safe while doing mm -hmm. so. But what we also know to be true is that defunding the police is not just about taking money out of an institution that continues to prove ineffective. 
It's also about refunding the people. It's about ensuring that the services that people need to ensure safe communities from the ground up are actually being funded and resourced to their full capacity. I think that there are a lot of police unions and GOP operatives that would like for us to believe that this recent crime wave has everything to do with this idea of defunding the police. But guess what, Stephanie? The police haven't been defunded. You actually look at the 50 largest cities' law enforcement spending as a share of the general expenditure in each of those cities actually rose slightly from 13.6% to 13.7%. And many of the cities that have talked about removing that money, like Minneapolis and Seattle, they've actually paused or slowed how they were thinking about moving that money. So this rising crime is not the fault of the movement. It's actually the fault of the police. And this has been our point all along. Why should we keep funding systems and institutions that keep rendering themselves ineffective? We should be talking about gun control, livable wages, fair housing, education. That's where we should be moving the money to, to ensure truly safe streets. This country, we just learned that more than half of the charges against looters in New York were dropped. Is that the right thing to do? Well, I think what's important to recognize, Stephanie, is that those protests <laughs> over the summer were largely peaceful. There was a narrative that there was widespread looting and violence, but much of that violence was actually started by people not who were there to protest on behalf of Black Lives Matter, but who were actually there to disrupt that scene. We know that white supremacists, and in some cases, police officers themselves, were there to start that violence. My question is whether or not we are prioritizing property or people. We need to recognize that these protests occurred not out of thin air, but because people were dying. And so ultimately, our solutions need to be oriented toward that. I think that it's really easy to run away with this narrative around rioting and looting but the numbers show us that 97, 98% of these, uh, or sorry, rather it, protests in the 90 percentiles um, were actually peaceful. Um, they were nonviolent. They First and foremost, the president's comments are just atrocious. If Trump would have said that, you know what the fuck would happen? And that last lady with the, it's mostly peaceful. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You stick with that, you fucking jackass. Okay, let's look at some stuff. What share of U.S. gun deaths are murders and what share are suicides? Though they tend to get less attention than gun-related murders, suicides have long accounted for the majority of gun deaths, 60%. How the numbers of U.S. gun deaths changed over time. 39,773 total gun deaths in 2017 with the most since 1968. This was slightly more than 39,595 gun deaths recorded in the peak year of 1993. Both gun murders and gun suicides have gone up in recent years. The number of gun murders rose 3-2% and while the number of gun suicides rose each year between 16 and 17. How has the rate of U.S. gun deaths changed over time? I'm not going to go into all of this. How has, which states have the highest and lowest gun deaths rates? And I don't know if I got the picture. There it is. The rate of gun fatalities vary widely. In 2017, the states with the highest rates of gun-related deaths, counting murder, suicides, and all other categories were Alaska, Alabama, Montana, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Arkansas. The states with the lowest rates were New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, Massachusetts, and Hawaii. And this is the game they play because I'm not covering anymore. They play it because it's the suicides. 
those suicides spike it. All right. But as you saw in our little montage, uh, yeah, the NRA doesn't exist. It's bankrupt. It's bankrupt. It doesn't exist. So, yeah, you can try to blame it, but Mayor Browser, her thing was, uh, it's just uh, COVID. COVID did it. As homicide, homicide sword nationwide, Mayor see few options for gaining control because the federal government needs to do this. So how did he remind us? Uh, I'm going to nuke you and sick a F-15 on you. Remember again, I'm using your words. Your words. I mean, I've been wanting to play this the whole time. Uh, where is it at? Your rules. You say you don't pick sides. That montage shows you pick sides. Because of the president, the last president of the United States would have said what he said, sweet fucking God. You'll need F-15s and nuclear weapons to take the government. Biden, if you own a weapon in case you need to take on the government, you're going to need an F-15 or a nuclear weapon. Goes off script. The gun lobby wants you to believe that cities that have the toughest gun laws still have the highest rate of violent crime. Don't believe it, except for Chicago, New York, and Baltimore. Last time I checked, they they got the most. Then you had the fact checks coming down. No, it's it's all wrong. All this shit is wrong. He just makes shit up as it goes along. Stephen Gakowski, a gun guy. Well, this is basically just the greatest hits of talking points President Biden has been using on guns for decades now. Nothing new in the press conference beyond the White House put out their morning with you can read the details here. Biden's new proposal doubles down on gun control, but it consists mostly of calls for new legislation such as an assault weapon ban that has no chance of passing and a zero tolerance policy for licensed dealers that woefully violate the law. The biggest new initiative is actually Biden plan to open up $350 billion in American rescue plans for localities to hire new police officers. He wants to refund the police, which puts him at odds as much as his own party. The same money will also be of it made available for community violence intervention programs in a number of major cities. Those programs use community members instead of police to ID dispute and try to intervene with those involved before they become violent. You can read more of the details on a full piece that he did, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's all bullshit. All of this is bullshit. The White House can lie, it can spin, it can do all this shit. Those are all blue cities. Those are all blue cities with incredible crime that you don't want to talk about. You don't want to cover it. The media doesn't want to cover it. They want to let them do that skirting thing where they say, well, Chicago doesn't have a problem, but Indiana with laxer stuff, that's where the guns are coming from. Well, when you don't persecute people, when they are caught with a gun illegally, this is what you get. You get this horse shit. This is just horse shit. It's all horse shit. It is semantics. It happens all the time. They're allowed to do it. Can't do it when you're a Republican. You're held to the fucking facts. 
President Biden plan to tackle surging crime across the U.S. gun control as expected includes a red flag law banning assault weapons, repealing and protection, a lawful commerce and arms act, and banning ghost guns. This will only erode 2A rights, not to turn crime. Also, I didn't get the rest of them, sorry. Also, anyone else peeved the term gun violence? Guns don't commit crimes. People do. He's just vilifying people he can vilify and get away with it. That's all it is. He's not going to crack down on his son who allowed 50, you know, let's be honest, 4473, he lied. Matt Whitlock, very interesting that President Biden is spending so much time on the American Rescue Plan potential to reduce crime. It passed months ago, and crime has only continued to rise. And if that's the case, then why do we need all that money? He lied on his 4473, but it doesn't matter. None of this matter. Just doesn't. ATF head's going to get fucking dick slapped. That's pretty fucking good. That guy's not going to go through. AOC, when we say defund the police, we mean defund the police. Jim Psaki. Well, Republicans were for it. Really? Are you sure? Now we got Portland police are being advised no longer pursue low-level traffic infractions. We're going to have no consequences from evading the police. That's what it's all about. It's more of the same old fucking bullshit. It's what he gets away with because he can. We don't have a media. For his comments... Your precious Second Amendment is... Uh, do I have this? This is pretty bad. Your precious Second Amendment is useless against the power and fury of the United States government. Also, the nation was on the brink of collapse due to a handful of unarmed, idiotic chuckleheads on January 6th. Same people. I want that to hit home. We're arresting grandmas. I have friends that will no longer talk to me because I don't think January 6th is the end of days. I don't think QAnon is worse than Antifa, so I don't even research it because it's such a small fringe, whereas Antifa is baselined in every fucking media member and corporations. What the fuck? What the fucking fuck? Dana Lose, wait, so a guy dressed like Burning Man reject in a buffalo head and his motley crew of Red Dawn LARPers almost overthrew the entire government, but you can't own a semi-automatic weapon because the mighty government will nuke you the next week. Pick a narrative. Tom Elliott, the tree of liberty is one with the blood and patriots. Great line. Kurt Schlosser. I have no patience for licensed regime reporters who don't ask obvious questions like, are you saying that you would use F-15 and nuclear weapons against Americans? Where was the question? Let me help the licensed regime journalists with some questions this remarkable outburst give rise to. Mr. President, if you plan to use force against American citizens, can you tell us how many BCTs an American military has currently deployed within the United States? 
<laughs> he doesn't know. Also, do you know what a BCT is? Do you know how many troops are in a BCT? Do you understand the logical needs of BCT and its vulnerabilities in an insurgency environment? How many BCTs do you think you would need to secure an urban area the size of Los Angeles? Didn't it take three divisions, about 12 brigades, to secure it during the riots? How long could you logistically support that? You mentioned F-15s. How many bombers of all types does the United States have deployed within the continental United States? How many are operational? How many sorties could the military fly a day against American citizens? Have your generals, when they are busy excusing cert on Capitol Hill and not winning wars, staffed exactly how many American military personnel they could count on to attack American citizens if you ordered it? What percentage do you believe would comply and why? Can you explain... Um, how you would employ bombers to hold territory like a city? What which what means would you use to identify targets to bomb with the United States? What would the rules of engagement be when using bombers against American citizens? How would you protect the supply lines of fighter bases for attacks from armed citizens? How many of your limited ground forces would you allocate to secure supply lines between bases and protect complicit forces living off posts? And he goes on and on and on. Any questions? Because that's the truth. He called a lit at 2 o'clock the other day. Went home. Went home. He was he was bitty. He was bitty. He was very, very bitty. Very bitty. Very bitty. Last has been Shapiro. It's been edifying to learn over the course of the last 24 hours that in the view of this administration, the military exists primarily to serve two functions, social engineering via CRT education and nuking Americans who have guns. All right, excuse the volume, man. I am having a hell of a time. For some reason, the mic and computer goes up, it goes down. I fucked with it. Anyway, quick thing on this. We're going to go into woke because I, I got to get some Sheldon Whitehouse going on. Um, this abortion stuff, it, it goes in line with the uh, January 6th insurrection, white supremacy, take your guns. They're puzzled political prism no it's called the bible they're not playing politics these are all stories that came out aaron rupar a guy who you could probably 100 percent say he's not religious he goes with the i talked with the life i got a i got a catholic friend isn't that racist i, I thought this was racist se cup uh used to be conservative oh i forgot new york Times. in rift with biden a dramatic show of force by a conservative catholic movement shut the fuck up se cup this is a valid thing to believe for most catholics who think abortion should be legal with restrictions it's also valid for catholics to oppose abortion and those who support it it's not up to anyone else though to determine how individuals should live their faith i grew up in a catholic church and knew many who left for all kinds of reasons including differences over divorce like my mom gay rights abortion and of course priest abuse many are devout without subscribing to the church not for me to say who's a good catholic the catholic church is like all other religious body can decide that it adheres most subscribe fully or be excommunicated or that it's truly eh, there we go Truly welcome all who may be flawed and seeking, but I, I'd remind the church that it is not perfect vessel either. That said, let's not 
malign pro-life Catholics and Christians who believe in this deeply and hold others to a standard they cherish. Living their faith is an absolute right. Of course, she got crushed. It is, however, completely up to Catholic Church as to who can and cannot receive communion. Biden's advocacy for abortion is direct contradiction with the teachings of the Christ. This is the church. I've only found on the internet one fucking person bold enough to even talk about this. There has been one large question in the last few weeks aimed at Democrat leaders like President Biden and Speaker Pelosi. Is a fetus baby pregnancy at 15 weeks a human life? Yes or no? In no case yet has anyone answered this question. They deflect with, I believe in a woman's right to choose, or the president believes that all women should have a choice, etc. As a biology teacher, here's why they don't answer that question. In a scientific discussion, we start from the ground up. Foundationally, we need to answer, is it a life or no? If it's not a life, do whatever you want with it whenever. If it's a human life, it's automatically and immediately protected with the same rights that we all have the moment it becomes a human life. Biologically, a human life begins before 15 weeks. The biggest universally agreed upon unilateral standard for the moment a human life begins is when the 23 chromosomes of the sperm and the 23 chromosomes of the egg meet and create brand new, never before seen DNA. At that moment, that DNA all by itself will order the cell to multiply and undergo mitosis via stem cells until you have all of your organ systems. You're not a human because of your heartbeat, not by your organs, not because you slid through a vaginal canal, not because you're no longer connected to mom by a hose. You're a human life because you have human DNA that is unique to you or an identical twin. A tumor does not have unique DNA. An animal does not have human DNA. You don't give 23 chromosomes to a parasite or a lump of cells. It's a human life from conception, and that is a scientific fact. It grows, reproduces, seeks homeostasis, exhibits metabolism, is cellular, and responds to stimuli. Case closed. They don't answer the question because they can't answer the question. Once you define the scientific moment a human is alive, it has the full rights allotted to that person. It's not her body, her cells, her whatever. It's a human life. He nailed it. And what's so funny, as I'm getting ready to do the Sheldon Whitehouse thing, I flipped to YouTube to grab a file Stacey Abrams they're asking you to sign a petition to stop voter ID <laughs> I can't download it it won't let me this issue is like everything else in our society it shows that what that general did isn't about what's right or wrong or what's good for soldiers it's all about politics and the politics of the woke turn it up turn it on rock it like we bad to the bone get on the floor running loose gotta put these two left feet to you if you need education in the party scene as you think you can dance with me this ain't no joke turn up let's get woke And John Carl, General Milley, saying, what's wrong with understanding the country we're here to defend? ...to censor the study of America's troubling history on race, saying it matters to the cohesion and discipline of the military. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color. 
and you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. There are two hot-button issues right now in Loudoun County Public Schools that have been simmering for months. One is transgender policy, the other is critical race theory. Parents are worried that curriculum change will divide children and teach them to see skin color. My child is not oppressed, and don't assume that. As long as you Marxists push your unconstitutional agenda on my child, she will not be returning back to Loudoun County Schools. I'm retired Senator Dick Black of Ashburn, Virginia. You retaliated against Tanner Cross by yanking him from teaching for addressing a public hearing of this board. The judge ordered you to reinstate Mr. Cross because if his comments were not protected speech, then free speech does not exist at all. It's absurd and immoral for teachers to call boys girls and girls boys. You're making teachers lie to students and even kids know that it's wrong. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color. And you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry. Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. <laughs> Madam Chair, I move to end public comment. Second. There's been a motion to end public comment. Is there a second? I second. second. Motion made by Ms. Reeser and seconded by Ms. King. Is there any discussion? All in favor, please raise your hand and say aye. 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 Ms. Corbo, can I record your vote, please? Aye. Thank you. The motion carries 9-0. Public comment. Here again. The other day I was walking down the hallway at Lakeview Elementary School to give a teacher a retiring gift. I looked up onto the wall and saw a BLM poster and an Amanda Gorman poster. In case you don't know who that chick is, she's some girl who did a poem at Biden's so-called inauguration. I was so mad. I was told two weeks ago at this very meeting spot, no politics in school. I believed what you said at this meeting. So at lunch, I went up to my principal to tell him about the BLM poster and that I wanted it down. He said it's not coming down. I was like, yeah, it is, because the school board said on May 25th, no BLM or politics in school. He said, that's weird. They were the, one who, they were the ones who made them. I was stunned. When I was here two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs. I said there should be no BLM in schools, period. It does not matter the color you make the posters and the font you use. We all understand the meaning. It is a political message about getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down while King Governor Welch just sits on his throne and watches. We all know. Changing the font or the color of posters does not change the meaning. I am nine years old and I know that. You expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing by making these posters? Come on, people.
I do not judge people by the color of their skin. I, I don't really care what color their hair, skin, or eyes is. I judge by the content or the way they treat me. MLK said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That dream has come true. I do not care or look at the color of skin, but you make me think of it. I have Asian, Mexican, white, Chinese, black friends, and I don't care. I like them because some of them make me laugh, some are sweet and kind, sporty, or share the love of God. They are just my friends. You have lied to me, and I am very disappointed in all of you. You cannot even follow your own rules. If you're going to do that, why do we follow any rules we deemed unfit or ridiculous? Critical race theory actually refers to the study of structural racism. And it's not taught until college or graduate school. Law school. It's a law school class, everybody. So let's start by making it completely crystal clear at the top of this interview that critical race theory is not taught before law school. It is a law school class, uh, essentially, or graduate level. So it's up to parents, not teachers in elementary school, to raise the next generation. But here's the deal. This is not about whether anything called critical race theory is in K through 12. What they're calling critical race theory doesn't exist anyway. It is a backlash effort to reverse the racial reckoning unlike any we've seen in our lifetime. And as you pointed out at the beginning, they can't say, you know, we're for racism. They can't say Derek Chauvin should have killed George Floyd with his hand in his pocket, looking like he was completely uh, without a care in the world. They couldn't say that. So they they, they looked around and found a, a strange sounding theory that they could put all of the grievances and uh, resentments in and mobilize people around this boogeyman. And if yep. and, and if if our side can't really understand what's going on, it's going to work. It's worked in the past. It, yeah. it worked to end reconstruction, and it can work to end this reckoning too. And uh, the, a gentleman named uh, Christopher Rufo, who's very vigorously de uh, requested to be on the show, we're gonna we're gonna take him up on it and let him come on uh, this week and, and invite him on. He literally said we've successfully frozen their brand critical race theory into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put all the various cultural insanities under that brand category, to wit, Fox News has mentioned critical race theory nearly 1,300 times in the past three and a half months. And we've now discovered that a lot of these parents that are showing up at school boards uh, inveighing against their children being This is what's bullshit. Today is the first time our country has recognized Juneteenth as a national holiday, and yet I'm getting ready to go back to school in the fall, and my governor has put into place some ridiculous legislation that many governors across the country have put into place, such as I can't teach anything divisive, I can't teach critical race theory, and I can't teach about racial equity. This is at all public schools colleges and universities so teachers <clears throat> in the past we've been activists after this shit show of last year we really need to stand up and do what's right for our kids right now so this is a call to action teachers we got to stand up and fight for our kids because this is bullshit we can't lie to them Journalist Amy Vanderpool tweeted her skepticism of the timing of these questions, calling them a GOP, GOP smear attempt and, quote, about McConnell trying to stop White House's bill to ban dark money from politics.
Joining us now to discuss is Washington editor at Spectator USA, Amber Athey. Amber, thanks for being with us. Amber, thanks what's for your me. Amber, what's your opinion here? Is this a smear campaign or is this just a membership in a club that is very clearly not diverse? I have no idea where this information come, came from. It could very well be that this is a case of opposition research, of politicians releasing dirt on one another. But I think that is irrelevant to the larger question, which is, is Senator Sheldon Whitehouse a member of a whites-only club or not? And it would appear that he is. Perhaps he should change his name to Senator White Whites-only House because he was asked about this club, actually, when he was first running for Congress back in 2006. And he promised at that time that he was going to no longer be a member. Instead, he remained a member and consolidated his shares in the club with his wife. His wife is now actually the third largest stakeholder in this club. And as you saw in that clip, when asked about it, Senator Whitehouse did not have a good explanation for why this club is still apparently segregated. So Mitch McConnell or not, it looks like this is a factual uh, attack on Senator Whitehouse. And so it can't really be called a smear. Yeah, I, that was ridiculous. I hate when, you know, people, we can talk about multiple things at once. We can, it could be wrong to derail the bill or whatever. I'm not sure that's true, but it could still be an issue to discuss, worthy of discussion uh, if he's in an, a whites only club. Uh, Trump Jr. weighed in uh, actually saying, um, has Sheldon Whitehouse resigned from this racist and segregationist beach club yet? Have the media even asked him that simple question? Have the media called the club to ask how these policies could stand in 2021? Are there protests in front of the club? Where's the outrage? And, you know, like, I, I think that's kind of fair because we know we see how the media handles every single oh, issue boy. that has any sort of racial tinge to it whatsoever. We have think pieces, we have denunciations. Obviously, Don Jr. is a political operative just you know, trying to make the Trump family and conservatives look good. But you know, right? Am, am I wrong, Amber? We, we know the unfairness of the media on issues exactly like this. Yeah, I'm in a wife beater, sorry. My wife cut her finger, My I got blood on my shirt. So yeah, we're, uh, we're finishing the show like this. So. Avert your eyes if you're grossed out by my whiteness. Um, uh, what do I say? All the CRT stuff, little kids stuff, uh, they can't even define CRT. Amber Athey's the one that broke it. They didn't even let her talk. I mean, let's be honest. This Sheldon Whitehouse shows you what CRT is. It's a political movement. It, and, yeah, I could have, I shouldn't have sneezed in, or blown my nose in the mic. That was rude. I could have put this right behind after the general, but I did this on purpose because it, this is what it is. This is all woke. Sheldon Whitehouse is defending his family ties exclusive beach club in Rhode Island and made questions about whether the club's members are all white. Family and race ID. Look at this. You had a senator who actually came from slaves. Slaves. And you... Well, he wasn't a big-time slave. He was a rich slave. That's what you did. And that was okay approved conduct by our media because he has an R behind his name. Then you have this idiot coming out. I'm not even going to finish that one. These stripes show the temperate change in Rhode Island, and the whole world goes, yeah, you probably shouldn't do this because that's where he comes from. I mean, look at this fucking shit. Look at the difference between Ellie Kemper all right, and Senator Whitehouse. 
This is how they cover it. A lady who went to a thing that she didn't know was a thing, she gets canceled, all right? But Sheldon Whitehouse, no, no, we're, we're not doing that. We're not doing this at all. Okay, that, that sounds great. A kid said something stupid racist 10 years ago, and adult life is ruined by the media. Hunter Biden uses the N-word frequently as adult, and the media is just... She nails it. None of this is real. None of it. Membership has its privileges. Democrat. Yo, I'm racist. My bad. I can't help it, though. You know, it's a generational thing. Let me center this picture since it's all jacked up. Democrat voter. No, no, you're not. Democrat. No, seriously, check it out. I'm an all-white club. I wore blackface. My nickname was literally Coon Man. I don't believe minorities are smart enough to get an ID or use the internet. I told black Americans they ain't black because they don't vote for me. You silly you. That's not racist. Republicans are the racist. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's the the ticket. Democrat voter. Trump bad. Insurrection. I mean, you heard it in there. They tried to get Trump in the conversation. The Hill. A supposed supposed to be objective news source all right supposed to that's how they started out they were just covering the hill but that went away the list of democrats who have engaged in racist acts with zero repercussions continues to grow the democrat party membership has its privileges white house and and there's proof he went to another one now clinton bill type Democrat president's candidate. I think he's got a lot to explain. President's rival Jerry Brown said it, and not just say. Black leaders accused Clinton as Thursday of betraying the strong black following by playing golf at an all-white country cup. We got Coon Man Northam. Do I need to even talk about him? Justin Trudeau. Do I need to talk about that? Hunter Biden said the N-word. Joe Biden's history. People were able to quarantine to the coronavirus because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelves. Those are all racist thing. It all aligns with critical race theory. It is their offshoot of intersectionality. It is not financed. It's real. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is fucking real. I played a teacher in there talking. They've been doing this for years. Remember, I went to school in Portland, Oregon, or Beaverton, Oregon. And folks, they brought in country's objectors. They had a Vietnam guy, a World War II guy, a Korean guy, and then they had three days of peace people. One of them attacked me because I had a shaved head and I was going in the army. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I, I, once again, I played fake news. I played the Loudoun County taking America, the eighth grader talking shit. It's all there. You got to check out this nine-year-old elementary school girl. Smoke the school board. You know it's bad when kids have morals and call you a liar. It's true. It's totally true. 
This is the kind of stuff they're pushing in their voter base. The attack on critical race theory has little to do with theory and more fear of historical accuracy. No, 1619. Let's, let's uh, checkmate. Students recognize a continuous line between atrocities of the U.S. past and present. What atrocities present? Tell me a country that is less racist than us. I'll wait. You can't find one. Student recognizing parallels between atrocities of the U.S. and other nations. When students learn the full scope of history, good and bad, and that, as Arnett said, most evil is done by people who never make up their minds to be good or evil, they may have greater expectations for the present. They may sense their place in history and make a choice. In the epilogue of Hiding in Plain Sight, I described taking my children to historical site around the U.S. out of concern our history would be drastically written in coming years, but also because kids deserve truth. Knowledge is power. This is what opponents of accuracy fear. And I don't know why these pictures keep on getting bigger, but they they just do. I don't get it. Critical theories are the lean through which K-12 or lens K-12 is being taught. It assigns societal role to children based on immutable characteristics accusing one group of unearned privilege and tells another they have no agency. Arguments like Sarah's are simply meant to obfuscate what is going on. History can be taught accurately without using this lens. In fact, removing it encourages critical thinking. I hate the shorthand to CRT because the lens is used on characteristics to include sex, sexual preference, gender identity, immigration status, religion, disability, and even body morphology. It teaches children the very things that help them succeed, like time management, showing their work, getting the right answer in math, are grand conspiracy. Historical pressures to keep them down. It is absurd, destructive, and crippling, and antithetical to the approach of great men and women who straddle history with a foot in their childhood when America was, at its worst, through our progress to being much more equal. She's so right. This is the problem with the whole thing. They just want to stay in the past. And fair, the vast majority of nation is history. It ignores success of Thomas Sewell, Bob Woodward, Carol Swain, Condi Rice. It goes down a whole list. So to become iconic figures in American history, critical theory ignores the icons, and so does the left because they disprove their theses. People like Sarah are either lying about critical theory or think it's confined to how we teach history. They, they either need to educate themselves or stop hiding the ball because on the ground, the grassroots movement is parents across the political spectrum of all races that object to the lens that is being used to teach our children to judge others' motives, thinking, and worth by their observables. <clears throat> characteristics as a nation we decide this was wrong in 1964 and have worked to continue to improve ever since gen z is the most tolerant generation in history according to social science research and statements to our success so what in the fresh hell are people like sarah trying to accomplish power it's power that's all this is it's a way to get power They're going after him. The guy who did Hamilton. Because the Mexicans he chose weren't melanin enough. Remember, Mexicans are white people. We put that on the show. The whole theory of it's all skin. Arabs are Caucasians. 
Eric Weinstein, hyper unpopular view. I don't think a single person on earth believes woke ideology. Any soul who truly identifies as eagle identifies as an eagle would be instantly eliminated by testing the hypothesis. A person who believes that two plus two equals five would be unable to file taxes. Get woke, go broke. It's nowhere near extreme enough. Truly believing in wokeness will get you jailed or killed. My hypothesis is that every single soul espousing woke critical theory, etc., is doing so disingenuously and without exception. That is why it can't be defeated by reason. Wokeness is revealing in the idea, reveling in the idea that it makes no sense. The only ones believing in it are those finding it. Further, that is why inclusion it as it at its core as a strategy. Because the remedy for wokeness, wasting the energy of the developed world by boring us to death, is to exclude it. Not on the basis of being wrong, but because the saboteur must always be excluded from civic life. Excuse me. Let me give another position to extreme that they are prima facie disingenuous. Crypto, toxic Bitcoin maximalism. Hyper-conservatives, we need a strong defense in a dangerous world, but also all taxes theft. All of those are parasitic at something else being the adult. It's power. Everything is power. Everything. It, it, they don't want anything but power. Another WAPO article. It's all good in the hill. It, it's all good, man. Jesse Kelly. Here's your reminder that Black Lives Matter is responsible for more black deaths than white supremacists by the order of magnitude. And they're openly supported by the entire Democratic Party, the media, Hollywood, and corporate America. But if you criticize, you're racist. What a perfect strategy. Black Music Industry Coalition criticizes industry equity initiatives when it comes to justice. Average isn't good enough. They have... A new movie with white Karens. I guess this is a long way from East Point. Baby, you just got to give it a chance. Tell me about your new neighbors. They're black. (laughs) Do you mind keeping it down? If you don't comply, I'll tell the manager. Somebody's taking home security serious. Hi, I am Karen Drexler. I'm your neighbor. You need to be taking your trash cans off the curb right when the trash is picked up. Is she nice? Yeah, she's nice. Wait a minute, we have a white entitled neighbor named Karen? Karen. Hey, enjoy yourself. There she is slaving away in the kitchen. I've come across some very suspecting teenagers. Suspecting? Can you please hurry up? Please, they're very aggressive, yep. I left my wallet with my ID. Leave us alone. We didn't do anything. How the heck did you end up moving to this neighborhood? Next thing you know, we have criminals. You take care of him, and I will take care of her. Would you mind stepping out of the car? My office has uncovered some disturbing information on her and her brother. That's real. That's a real thing. These fucking people. It's a goddamn cult, man. It's a fucking cult. It's a fucking cult. It's out of control. Who's afraid of critical race theory? Not the students in my classes. 
It's just like the Rupar. That's Wapo. They they grab a, somebody. You got the idolatry of this. Look at this. Like he's a lifeguard. This is real. They idolize everybody. Everything is idolatry. You don't think so? Look what happened. All right. Look what happened when Nicole Wallace interviews the press sec. I interview folks on the front line of trying to protect not just voting rights, but the avoid voter nullification, which mm-hmm. a lot of people feel is the most ominous and haunting parts of these voter suppression bills. I'm sure you know the numbers, 389 of them speeding through 48 legislatures, 22 yeah. of them already signed into law. You could argue that President Biden might not have won states like Georgia if that law had been in place then, if you look at the numbers and the restrictions. I want to know if he sides with people like Beto O'Rourke and Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who say it is long overdue to reform the filibuster when it comes to voting rights legislation. He is very popular, not just in the Democratic Party, but I know as he and and you all uh, point out with Republicans in the country who supported the COVID relief package overwhelmingly, whose support likely contributed to Republicans coming to the table on infrastructure. Um, Would he play a similar role in bringing Republicans to the White House to work on a bipartisan compromise on voting rights? I know we get to talk to you today because of infrastructure. So um, just, just tell me how this came to be. I mean, I mean, I think it was a, a, the president's will to make sure that it was big yeah. and that it was bipartisan. And I know you've got grumbling on both sides, but this seems like quintessential President Biden doctrine driving this agreement today. Jen, I've walked in similar shoes to the ones you walk in now, I probably know. 23 and a half hours a day, I'm guessing. Um, how do you feel like it's going? And, you know, you, you get such high marks from the vast majority of the people in that room. Um, you, you spar uh, a little bit with some of the president's detractors, but I'm sure privately even they um, give you grudging respect. How do you feel like it's going? Look, I, I think that my role in there, Nicole, and you've walked in these shoes, so you know almost better than anyone, is to uh, hopefully rebuild trust with the public. And that sounds like big and broad and hard to reach, but I think what that means is having that back and forth and engagement. And as you know, it's the job of reporters and members of the media to push me and push us when we need to give more information, when something doesn't make sense. And that's part of democracy working, in my view. So, you know, some days I leave the briefing room and I think, oh, I wasn't quite clear. I wish I would have said that differently. But I hope at the end of this that the public or people who pay attention to the briefing will feel like I provided information and I peeled back the curtains of what's happening in government and help them think it was working for them. And I also hope that reporters, even when we spar, will think I treated them with with respect. And even when we have a idolatry. Here's Planned Parenthood and more than 260 crazy Amazon smile groups. I mean, some of this shit is so extreme. Um, SPLC. Uh, which is one of the organizations Smile is a left-wing organization that labels everything. You have, fuck, I'm not even going to read them all, 14 abortion charities, three socialist groups, 107 church and Scientology affiliates. That's okay, though. I mean, I, I think Guy Benson sums it up. Guys, they didn't get rid of Governor Blackface. They're not going to cancel... Senator White Club, nor are they going to get rid of fucking Cuomo. 
You can do whatever you want. This one. Former Reddit CEO Ellen Powell praises censorship, deplatforming, hate works. It's okay. You got this one. UK lingerie. It's it's okay. It's woke now. And, and that's the thing that's so scary about it. It's woke. You can be woke. And sign on because you're more scared of Twitter followers. I mean, I, I read a study the other day. 9% of Twitter users account for 90% of the content and it becomes 60% of our news. But it's not the real world. 90% are Democrats on Twitter. Progressives. You got you got Australian with fucking kids shows, Q&A of drag queens. We went crazy because this guy came out in the sports. Seattle Pride event to make white attendees pay reparation fees for allies. Even if you're an ally, you have to pay money. The ACLU, the very group that's supposed to protect us. Fuck, say it with us. Fuck school, fuck softball, fuck cheer, fuck everything. We know our First Amendment rights and we will use them. Get the new fuck everything tea today. An image description. Person with curly hair looks into camera wearing off-white t-shirt that says fuck school softball. Breaking. We're demanding that Uber Eats ends its practice of misgendering and dead naming trans drivers. Our clients, Liana Repic, who is a Kansas-based driver, has faced harassment and discrimination because the Uber Eats app shows his former name to customers. Uber Eats, in spite of being contacted by Lane report, repeatedly, has not made updates to their app. Everyone should have access to accurate ID. We're asking the Biden administration to lead and issue an executive order so trans can change their shit. And somebody says, what's your fucking priority? They would never do this for anything else. You got Brett Favre, which I didn't do a picture for, obliterates trans Olympians because that's okay. And then the most disturbing thing that I have seen in forever, this is what woke CRT, climate extremism, it's all wrapped up in this guy's cock trap. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption of meat, then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of, they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I, I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these, intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. Um, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad- possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Another Before I gnash over this, 
Here's the Q&A. I did have it. With little kids asking tranny shit. This hair is actually a wig. I knew that. You knew that? I knew that. Yeah? That's what I said. I think it's fake. Have you ever worn a wig? No. No. It's real. It's real. I can't. Can't take that off. Little kids. Big, big talk. Gender. Hi, I'm Milo. Hi, Courtney. My name's called Lockie. Hi, my name's Isabella. What's yours? My name is Courtney Isabella. It's lovely to meet you today. It's lovely to meet you too. I love your makeup. Thank you. I love the bow on your hair. It's very cute. Thank you. I like your dress, Courtney. Thank you very much. It's really fun and colourful. I like all the rainbows. Yeah, same. When you dress up as Courtney, do people treat you differently to when you're Shane? They do, actually. It's quite interesting, because when I'm dressed up as Shane, I don't know if you, this, is, this is me when I'm not dressed like this. And so <clears throat> I present looking like a boy, and people treat me yes. differently. Regardless of how I look, the world looks the same to me. Um, but sometimes people look differently and react differently to me, depending on how I'm dressed. Why is all drag queens so beautiful? Oh, wow. Well, that's a very lovely compliment to all the drag queens. And I think the cool thing about drag is that it's about expressing how you feel. And I think that there's something really beautiful about people being themselves. Do you like being caught up? I, it would be remiss if we didn't mention, I think, of the generational dynamic that this challenge represents. I think one thing that's really important as well is that in the Civilian Climate Corps bill that Senator Markey and I have introduced, there is no age limit um, to participation. I think this is incredibly important because it represents the economy. It's reflective of the economy that we are now growing up into. Especially during the pandemic, people have fallen out of unemployment into long-term unemployment which does require these kinds of interventions in order to get people ramped back into the economy again. But specifically from a generational dynamic, young people, the last time that our generation and that I personally witnessed a thriving economy was during the 90s when we were kids. Then the dot-com bust happened, 9-11 happened shortly after that. We were raised in a decade of war, in an impending climate crisis. And then um, from there, a catastrophic recession that most working people never fully recovered from. We were told to go to school and to get a good job, and that a quarter million dollars of student loan debt would easily pay itself off. And then after that, if you wanted a job and go to graduate school, another quarter million is what would create economic opportunity for you. And we graduate into a recession as we watch our country go up in flames or drown in, in rising sea levels. A civilian climate core, ha and so the question that we have is we have a student loan crisis. It goes on like four minutes, climate cores. So you understand how they think. This, this is what they think. They can re-engineer you. 
of the 2016 World Science Festival. This guy talks about it. Anyone with an ethicist in their job title is part of the secular clergy, update versions of priests and rabbis, but without the centuries of intellectual tradition and wisdom. Watching them make shit up on the fly is one of the most puzzling and depressing things. And then somebody says what I said. They want to re-educate you. They want to redo you. You're not doing what we want, so we're going to genetically make you take a drug so you won't eat beef, because beef's bad. In walks crackhead here, where we're going to have fucking, we can save the earth and unionizing tree planters, and with it is the trans shit, because they don't want us to reproduce, and now you understand. It all makes sense. It's all one big power play wrapped in you won't do what we're telling you to do. You need to obey. The fuck is wrong with you? In walks Brian Seltzer. Oliver Darcy, after when I read stories about vaccine hesitancy, I wonder if the forces of right-wing media would have enthusiastically encouraged their honors to get vaccinated. This is what they're saying now. Now remember... I just played CNN saying you must mask with the polls saying Democrats still masking. But Tucker Carlson, Americans still dying in the COVID-19 are overwhelmingly unvaccinated, Dr. Fauci told Jake Tapp. The thing that's so painful, Jake, as a physician, a scientist, a public health person, that I am that the entire avoidable July 4th, blah, 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 yada, I'm not reading it. COVID-19 deaths have fallen dramatically across the U.S., but some people remain more at risk than others. Black people have been disproportionately affected, accounting for more than 15% of the total deaths. And they talk about that. Every death due to COVID-19 is particularly tragic. Now, let's do the math on that. They won't talk about the 25% of black people won't get the fucking shot because you scared the fucking shit out of them. You're not going to talk about that. No. Why would we? No. Can't do it. Would make too much fucking sense. You fucking people. It's you. It's all you. And then they bring each other on and they jerk each other off. So I don't have a soundbite anymore for the best soundbite of the day. Here's Tucker dogging this fuck and then him getting interviewed by WAPO guy. And I just, I, I just can't. What if your TV show was tanking and you'd lost more than half your viewers since January? Do you think that would be exactly the moment to re-release your book on the basis of evidence that people love you so much they're going to buy it? Probably not. But if you work at CNN, if you're a squeaky little guy who hosts a media show on CNN, you might just try it. And if you did, what would happen? Well, you might sell just 2,000 copies in the entire first week. That book currently ranks 4,007 on the bestseller list. There are many how-to manuals having to do with HVAC or hanging drywall or insulation that are outselling that book. By the way, we don't mean to be mean or anything. It's just if all signs point to one conclusion, get out of media immediately. Get out of media. Maybe it's time to get out of media. Just saying. All right, I'm going to squeeze in an audience question in the one minute we have left. And it okay, comes, from John, comes from John Chase. 
in Massachusetts, how can citizens be educated to question propaganda and think critically? And answer that in one minute. It obviously begins early. It begins with students. It begins in the classroom. But I think it also has a lot to do with news literacy programs. And we have seen a lot of investment in media and news literacy uh, with groups of the News Literacy Project trying to instill these values. At the end of the day, we all need to eat a healthy, balanced media diet. That's why I pay for the Washington Post and the LA Times, right? I want to hear the California perspective. I also want to know what's happening in Washington. And I love the way the Post is expanding globally to cover the whole world. I need all of that in my media diet. And we need in our own lives, in our own communities, to instill those same values. I think a lot of this is on the individual level, one-to-one, trying to help our friends. Really? Yeah, that's true. It's from the Daily Mail, less than 2,000 copies sold. But, you know, this is this is how it all works. This is why it fucking gets, you could do anything as a liberal. You can get away with anything as a liberal. Then we find out, which is pretty interesting, Donald Trump Jr., wow, was worried about mean tweets from Trump, but should have been focused a little closer to the home. His wife is a workplace bully. Seltzer is married to NY1 traffic reporter and anchor Jamie Seltzer, and her station has been plagued by a variety of issues such as a lawsuit filed by five female anchors. Anonymous colleagues told Caitlin Moscato of New York Magazine Seltzer is part of the problem in a piece headline inside the petty, vindictive, career-ruining infringement in NY1. By the way, these are really good. They're like Black Rifle Coffee's energy drinks. Holy shit, that's tasty. Literally. That doesn't surprise me. These are the people that are brainwashing our country and saying CRT is all good in the hood. United States ranks last in media trust at 29% among 92,000 news consumers surveyed in 46 countries. And why? Because they won't report this. This is from Betty. And I've been through a lot of these, but I'll make it quick. Iowa school systems show teachers are forced to classify Make America Again as part of a racism, a white supremacy. This done through mandatory critical race theory training forced on teachers and taxpayer respects. Trump won by 9%. Now understand, there's a law. They know there's a law. They ignore the law because liberals just do what they're going to do. Teachers of Iowa are being instructed to classify the vast majority of Iowa children as racist white supremacists. This is a rock-solid real-world application of critical race theories being used by political weapon to target Republicans. This is not education. It's a naked political vengeance using the state education system and our children's educators. This training was mandated to all educators employed of the Mississippi Bend Area Education Agency, one of the largest school districts in Iowa. The training is stamped with the approval of the state. At the time of this racist training, House Bill 802 was working its way through. It was passed. They knew it. They said... Columbus Day, American immigration law, mass incarceration, denying white privilege. Being America is poor post-racial. Believing people are part of a human family. That that makes you that makes you a racist also, because you know, can't have that. 
Here is more of the presentation. This slide shows the level of racism, systemic, institutional, interpersonal, and internalized. Translation, everything's racist. Everything is racist. This slide is term for deeper understanding. It links to two websites that define these terms, citing the biggest proponents of CRT. D'Angelo, Kendi X. The presentation itself defines critical race theory as a tool for the destruction of America. Unlike traditional civil rights, which embrace step-by-step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundation of the liberal order and principles of constitutional law. And our government is forcing it on soldiers. Do you see why people are upset? Hundreds of educators and staff have been forced to take this training. We have assigned a sheet. Attendees of the meetings were prompted to give their input on drafting an anti-racist statement and break into groups to discuss their whiteness and racism. The facilitator notes on this slide shows that the attendees were asked to question their own beliefs and basically forced to ask themselves if they might be racist for agreeing with the term make America great again. I, You know, if... if the KKK did this for hope and change. I didn't hear about it. More slides show the purpose of the meeting, norms, their definition of equity and silence breakers. The conclusion of the presentation prompts the instructor to plan next steps for our shared learning and organizational growth to the fall. They are planning to teach this to your children next semester. This is illegal under law. At the end of the training and the Iowa teachers are given a reading list, white fragility, racial equity tools stamped from start stamped from the beginning, the definitive definitive history of racist ideas in America. Candy X, who can't give you a definition of what racism is, you an Eurocentric curriculum. The training is proof that critical race theory being used as a political weapon, specifically targeting Republicans. This is not education is a political vengeance. Using the federal education system, they are starting with our children, even in dark red states. But yeah, it's being funded. Then you have this one. Won't even go through it. This guy is talking about it. It was in the 90s. This guy says, um, GP, I took um, cradle race theory course in law school. Back in the early 90s, I can say from personal experience that even at that time, it was a divisive, racist, and fundamentally Marxist course emphasizing racial division over racial reconciliation. It functionally substituted race in for Marx's class concept and looked at law through the smudge-skewed, rigid lens. Because it circles back to Rashida Tlaib. Opposition to critical race theory is obviously rooted in racism. It just become the newest dog whistle for racists. And then you get a guy who's been breaking this shit out forever. All right. Forever. Saying this shit's fucked up. It's all sorts of bad. And Rufo. And this is how it goes when he goes to talk to the number one racist on TV. Joy Reid. Raqqa school board meetings are one result of a national campaign by political operatives to eradicate curriculums on racial and other forms of equity, which, mind you, is not the same thing as critical race theory. One of those operatives, critical race theory opponent, Christopher Rufo, joins me now. And Christopher, thank you so much for making some time to be with us this evening. Thank you. 
Thank you. Okay, so let's let's start out. Do the elephant in the room. So so you and I started off on a little bit of a Twitter beef. Um, I talked about you. I quoted you um, in an article um, that one of our uh, great journalists here uh, at NBC had quoted you in a piece, and I quoted that on TV. Uh, and then you tweeted um, that you wanted to come on the show and said, you know, I didn't have the courage to put you on. Now I will just note that Twitter is a, for, is a hyperbole zone. So you know, I, it, whatever. It's all water under the bridge. But I just want to just get to a. a couple of little factual things. Why would I need courage to have you on? Are you like an expert in, you know, race or racial history? Are you a lawyer? Are you a legal scholar? Uh, is that part of your background? Uh, yeah, I'm a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, where I'm running their initiative on critical race theory. And uh, the reason that I reached out on Twitter to you, and I appreciate you having me on, I enjoy this sure. kind of cross-partisan dialogue. But the reason is, not just because you were attacking me on air, which I think is fine. It's politics. Well, wait, that's their one game. second. Just, I'm but, sorry. I wasn't attacking. I was reading your quote. So that's what I said. I read your Sure, quote. but you were reading it with the framing, calling me a political operative, which I'm not. I'm actually a think tank scholar. But uh -huh. let's put all that aside. The problem that I have is that you've really spread uh, four, I think, key false pieces of information about critical race theory. Okay. You've claimed in recent weeks that critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. You've claimed that most American public school students learn what you call Confederate race theory and are taught that slavery was, quote, not so bad. You've claimed that state legislation will prevent schools from teaching about the history of racism. And finally, you've claimed that critical race theory isn't rooted in the philosophical tradition of Marxism. Uh, and I think that all four of those claims are wrong. And I She's a racist. Here's Facebook trying to stop Babylon B, Slate. It's now the new thing. We're going to go after. And I didn't go on a lot of the Rufo because it's everywhere. But what do you expect? They're going to lie. They're going to make shit up. Because it's what they do. We have another fucking example right here. This is Brands University advises against using oppressive language. There's nothing weird happening in our major institutions. Why would you think that? It's not like they're trying to prohibit the word picnic. These are the new words. Because remember, you own the words. You own everything. You own everything. And this shit is comedic. Killing it. If someone is doing well, we don't need to equate that to murder. Take a shot at it. Those expressions need the imagery of hurting someone. Take a stab at it. Same thing. Trigger warning. The word trigger has connotations to guns. For many people, we can give the same heads up using language that's not connected to violence. Rule of thumb. The expression comes from old British law allowing men to beat their wives. I've heard this before. It's just the most insane fucking thing. Picnic. The term picnic is often associated with lynchings. Really? Fucking really? Are you fucking stupid? Get off the reservation. Of course, that one. You're connotating Indian. And while they're doing all this shit to own the cons, win an election, beat Trump, and help a fucking communist country, NIH destroyed fucking data. Who's the fascist? I'm asking you. Is it the white guys that General's scared about? Or is it you guys? Let's end on something to laugh about. These motherfucking people.
then they done forgot that they're gonna go and grab a couple of active Green Berets that are just coming back from war and put them on a team together and think that anybody's gonna be able to hang. <laughs> He's screaming right now. He's screaming. Oh, yeah, he felt, he felt that simmering. I saw that arch back. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, so riding down into a village of a bunch of Mujahideen on horseback. <laughs> Do the intro. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, yes, go ahead. Go All ahead. right, no, really, really, go ahead. Welcome to Black Rebel. No, 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 no. God damn it. Welcome to Black Rifle Coffee's Veterans React. I'm Richard Ryan. <laughs> Today I'm joined by Tim Kennedy and Matt Best. Hello, YouTube Hi. and things. Carbon stained pillows, handsome like lead. Under my mattress, gun safe as my bed. Everybody should feel bad for this man to our left, your right, because oh. trying to work with us, I mean, imagine hanging out with a yeah. bunch of hamsters that did a bunch of cocaine, and they're all in heat, and they're looking at a bunch of female hamsters that are on the other side of a cave. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Y'all's energy is fantastic. Bring it up, Richard! <laughs> it's fantastic. You're in a two. I think I capped the mic. I mean, like, sorry, sorry Ronnie. Ronnie. Just for your viewer edification, we did not take cocaine. No. All right, let's, let's cue them up. I hate that flag. 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 Screen record, sync. Okay, you should never clap while there's a yeah, swastika. Yeah, Richard just clapped to a, a swastika. Wow, dude. Wow. What is this? Wow. Okay, that is real here. Antifa right there. So, you want to go overseas? Kill some Nazis. Skinny dude, you know he's not down with the, the killing of a bunch of people, like maybe 12 million all throughout Europe. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Oh, I love this scene. This is a great scene. He's like, hey, those are our boys over there. And that dude's like lipping off inside the movie theater. And uh, he stands up to the big boy. Just start the cartoon. Hey, you want to shut up? Together with allied forces, we'll face any threat, no matter. <clears throat> Oh, there's the shadowing. Nice, nice. <laughs> I learned. <laughs> I can do this all day. Isn't it a little weird with Captain America, though? He's like this skinny kid, and they just yeah. inject him with a bunch of steroids, and he's getting, like, was, goodbye. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting, choosing that, too, because you're yeah. pretty vocal about that, right? Because there's yeah, a little, some things going on yeah. in the UFC and everything. I, I get that they wanted to have the person with the biggest heart. Of course. And taking a guy that has a lot of god's given gifts of being big and strong that guy may not have the heart yeah that's not true though like how many dudes did you work with that were complete studs and you could there's nothing you could do to turn the heart off right their will to right. fight absolutely so why not get one of those guys well there are already so many big men fighting this war maybe what we need now is a little guy huh maybe those guys were actually going to be utilized and this guy's just a throwaway yeah they just wanted to test yeah test dummy that's what you don't understand this isn't about me i love that the army's going back to those greens and browns gentlemen i'm agent carter it's a good look it is a good look. it's a good look yep mm, you get a rasa because i got a few moves i know you'll like oh Ooh. the good right cross uh i can see that you are breaking into candidates that's good 
Okay, and this random super hot chick that's evaluating all these studs. Yeah. You have no idea how to talk to a woman, do you? Never saw her. Did you ever see her? No. I think this is the longest conversation I've had with one. I mean, occasionally, like overseas, you have the analyst walked in to give a brief and you're like... No, I'm talking at boot. Oh, God, no. That flag means we're only at the halfway point. First man to bring it to me gets a ride back with Agent Carter. Move! This reminds me of Richard Ryan when uh, he, he put is. Woodford in him. He just tries, he tries to climb the pole. <laughs> Nobody's got that flag in 17 years. <laughs> the pole back in the line. Those poles are slippery. I said fall in. Look at that. He's a thinker. Uh-huh. Not only is he skinny, but he also has a brain to go with that bod. Thank you, sir. So he's going to be in the army and the rest go to the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Marines. No. I'm kidding. No, he's going I to the Air you. Force. Come on, girls. This jumping jack scene reminds me of the time. Super off, awesome video. It's 20 minutes long. Go to BRCC on YouTube and you'll find it. And this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. And send comments to go by going to foppodcast.com where you can find this episode, last episode, and all episodes with links to freaking Rumble and SoundCloud. We started ugly. We ended ugly. Did it on purpose. It's tied in. There is no need for CRT. Our country has overcame its problems with race. We've done more to make up for our ills that were hundreds of years ago. It is nothing but a political education tool. Intersectionality with CRT, trans fascism, and everything our media puts out. They don't define it because if they define it, they can't keep changing words and they can't keep powering you into saying you're a racist. But what needs to happen is more and more people need to keep doing what they're doing. Go to your school board, go to the fucking Congress, talk to your people and say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not a racist because I don't agree with progressive ideals. I'm not a racist because I don't believe there is such a thing as climate racism. I don't think I'm a racist because I accidentally call you sir and you're a chick that's got a fucking dick fucking prosthetic in your pants. No. We can't let them shame us. And that's why I get angry with the Never Trumpers. Because the more and more you read this stuff, the more you start thinking it's okay. And it's not. It's Marxism. Their sole purpose is to destroy America and start over. That's what they say with everything. We need to burn it down. Not happening. So, disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. I went early, so we're going to go with the Wednesday, 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 30 June, 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 2021 podcast. Until then, you guys take care. Thanks for listening.